to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I am your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto. On this show, we talk spirituality for the rest of us with a focus on the art of beautifying all facets of your life using heritage, culture, beauty by hand, ancestral traditions, and old world style as a means to do so. Welcome back, everyone for episode 10 and also the final episode of season two, where of course, as you know, the theme has been home. It's been a really vibrant season and I feel like together we've really covered all facets of what home is and what home can be and maybe even what it should be. I just loved all of the guests I've had on, and they taught me so much, not only through their generous conversation, but their lives, their very lives. These are people who are implementing how they view home and what they think home should be in a very real, visceral, literal way. And it's been so inspiring to me. And of course, I I hope it's been inspiring to you. That's obviously why I do these shows I think we covered home decor, buying things that last, the spirit of a home, how we can add in slow living, how we can make our home a place, not that we just sleep in and watch television in, but a place where we and our families abide. And that's why I had so many homesteaders on this season because the whole idea of homesteading is really creating an entire self-sufficient little universe based around your home and your family. And I think obviously that that is really something that deserves revisiting in our mind-dominated, speedy, spend-your-money, fast culture. So with that said, today's guest fits in perfectly with everything I just said. She's the perfect guest to wrap up this season and this theme. My guest for this episode is Annabelle Alsup. She is the owner and founder of House of Tokamon, a vintage rug company that sources authentic weaved rugs from artisans around the world. Annabelle is not only a vendor, but through her lively Instagram page, also an educator who teaches people how to find and buy authentic vintage rugs and home decor. Part of an active duty military family, she lives with her husband and four sons, with a fifth on the way, on a homestead in South Carolina, where they care for four goats, one baby doll sheep, 32 chickens, and four mini donkeys. Before we jump into this episode that I know you're going to enjoy, I just wanted to take a moment to talk to you about wine. If you've been listening to this season, you've heard me talk about my partner, Dry Farm Wines. Thank you to all of you who have used the link created specifically for Bella Figura listeners and invested in these organic, biodynamic wines to elevate your home, and your kitchen table, which, let's be honest, is often the center of the home. If you haven't tried Dry Farm yet, I really encourage you, as this season wraps up, to give it a try. These wines are sourced from small family vineyards around the world 
vineyards cared for by people who care for the earth, who care about tradition, who care about the land that has been in their families often for generations. If we are going to incorporate all of the things that we've talked about this season into our lives, we have to start doing it in every aspect of our lives. And as I've said in past episodes, dry farm wines is a little bit of an investment. You can pick up a $10 bottle of wine at the grocery store, but that bottle of wine is not going to be grown in a way that aligns with your values. It's not going to be produced in a way that aligns with your values. It's also going to be full of up to 70 something toxins that these companies are not even required to list on the label. It's going to be full of dyes and it's going to be packed with refined sugar. Yuck. You add a little bit more money, about 10 to 15 more dollars per bottle, and you elevate your wine game, you elevate your entertaining game, you bring your table and your home and your kitchen more into line with the way you want to live, more in line with beauty and a homemade from scratch home. So with that said, use my link, created specifically for Bella Figura listeners, and that link is dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura. And if you use that link, you'll receive a bottle for just a penny in your first order. Now just keep in mind when you click on that link, you have options. You can get three bottles of bubbly shipped to you once every three months, once every six months, or every month for that matter. And as a quick aside, I have been really enjoying Dry Farm Wines, sparkling wine, and their champagne, which is something I never used to do. I never drank champagne because it always felt so syrupy and full of sugar and gave me the most banging headache. <laughs> but ever since I started buying my wines from Dry Farm, which happened several years ago, way before they became a sponsor of this show, I have been able to enjoy lovely wines, sparkling wines and champagne. In fact, it was my husband's birthday last week and I picked up a dozen and a half of beautiful oysters and had this wonderful bottle of sparkling wine from the Loire Valley of France, which I've learned through my dry farm subscription is one of my favorite regions for wine and we chilled it and popped it open and it was a wonderful way to celebrate. You can get sparkling wine, you can do a mix of whites and reds and you can get them shipped to you as often or as little as you want. You can even sign up and have it shipped to you once and not again if you'd like. However, once you try Dry Farm, I guarantee you, you will want to continue your subscription. Again, click on the link It'll be in the show notes below, dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura and receive a bottle for just a penny in your first order. And one last bit of housekeeping, just a reminder that I do have an online shop in that shop. 
I fill it with vintage items, handmade items, many of my photographs, which you can order for beautiful prints to put in wonderful frames around your home. And all of these items are in step with the many things we talk about on this show, very much beauty by hand, ancestral traditions, and old world style. I will link to the shop in my show notes, but you can also check it out for yourself by visiting bellafigurastore.etsy.com. After this episode, I will be taking a small break, about a two-week break, to regroup and get prepared for season three. I think you're going to love the theme for season three. If the conversations we're having over on Instagram are any indication, by the way, you can find me on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. And season three's theme is going to be slow down. I'm pretty excited for it. All right, let's launch into this episode with Annabelle Alsup. Annabelle, welcome to Bella Figura. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we had to do a little bit of the rescheduling as we are both moms with we our did. own businesses that that's kind of par for the course. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of juggling a lot when you got the kids in the business. I get it. That's right. But it's nice to see you and it's nice to finally have you on. I've been following you on Instagram, your very knowledgeable account where you talk about your business. So I'm, I'm really excited to dive in here. Your business uh, is something I actually hadn't given much thought to. I mean, what you do, I, I, I guess you probably hear that a lot. That's yes. my guess. So I'd like to talk about that as we go forward. But before we start, I like to ask every guest to tell me a little bit about their roots and the people they come from. Yeah, so I actually, when you invited me to come on, I actually, I was a fan already, so I was listening to a lot of the episodes, but I went back and I like re-listened to all of them, so this is actually my favorite part. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah, so um, our rug shop is called House of Pukuming, and I kind of kicked myself for that name, but I named us that because my family is from Tokumen in Panama, so... Oh. I would, I don't know if I would call myself first generation, but I was born in Panama. My mother's Panamanian and my father's Cuban. So I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm first generation, but Spanish is my first language. Hmm. And I, yeah, so I came here when I was five. My dad was actually active duty. That is how he um, earned his citizenship. Really? And we kind of, yeah, we kind of traveled for most of my childhood, he was in for 20 years and he retired. And I just was always raised in the States. And that is where my people come from, a strong Latina background. Right. Definitely. So why you, you said you don't feel first generation. What do you mean by that? In what sense? I guess when people, most people think I'm American because I, they tell me a lot that I don't have an accent, which I think is kind of an odd thing to say to somebody when I tell them that I am not from here. Mm. Um, so I don't feel like I am the first generation of American in my family, if that makes sense. Do you feel, do you feel like more American, I guess is what I'm trying to get at or less yeah. American. Okay. You feel like you've yeah, been here longer I would than say that. that I would 
Right, right. So I would feel, I, I definitely feel more American, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that growing up, it was pushed on me that we were to leave behind like where we came from and that we were supposed to assimilate. Mm. So I think that's a lot of why my husband and I are doing what we're doing with the farm and trying to get back to the roots of what our ancestors would have been doing. Mm. Um, being Latina, my mother was very hardcore that modern Latina women, they go to college, they get a modern job, they have small families. And for me, it was, that's what I did because that's what I was told I was supposed to do. But now in my mid thirties is when I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do that. So my husband and I moved to the farm and we're trying to raise and we have, we're going to have five boys. So we're trying to do things a little bit slower. And I think that's why I say that I don't really feel Latina because it wasn't, that wasn't what I was supposed to be. I was supposed Mm. to be American. Mm. That is really, that's a really interesting kind of nutshell. You just, you just put your whole experience in. And I think for me, I, I do understand where you're coming from. I have this like ongoing conversation in my writing and in my work where I feel, I feel like I'm always exploring, you know, what am I more of? Am I, Mm -hmm. you know, am I, am I Italian? Am I American? Am I this, am I this hybrid that's Italian American, which is really, it's, it's very own culture. It's it's, it's like a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. And I really get what you're saying about the your attempt to to go back to the way your ancestors lived. I mean, in a sense, right. Of course Mm -hmm. you're, you're living in modern America. It's different, Mm -hmm. but that idea that a certain life is expected of us, Mm -hmm. and you know, we realize it's not who we are. Yeah. I've had so many conversations with people on this show. That's their whole lives, right? They, they're, they're taking one path because they feel like it's what they should do. And really they want to, they want to live a slow life. They want to live on a farm. They want to work from home. They want to have a big family. Growing up and my fifth child and like my mom only had two, but she was very adamant that like that, that was all you're supposed to have. So if for me, it's been a lot of kind of trying to come into my own as a woman and trying to figure out what I want in life versus the expectations my you know, my family put on me. So when I say that I don't, I don't feel first generation, a part of that is a disappointment because I wish I had learned all the traditions that my mom has. Cause I'll ask her like, how do you make this recipe from hand? And she'll go, Oh, well, that's easy. And I'm like, well, you never, you never taught me, but it's mm. because she didn't want me to know. So now I was trying to kind of rewind and learn all the skills that she had. And my grandmother had before, you know, um, before she passes, I'm trying to get those recipes from her because she's Smart. getting up there. Yeah. So, so you're, you're almost trying to just jump back a generation yeah. because your mom, right. Wanted to be so modern and, and wanted right. you to be so modern and, and, and part of being modern is erasing so much yeah. of your ancestry and your roots and these traditional ways of living, you know, perhaps like, like having your own your own animals and your food supply, preserving food, caring about home as opposed Mm -hmm. to right. Going out. It's just this, it's two opposite sides of the coin. Right. 
And unfortunately, in, in, in a case like yours, you, you like have lost a lot because of that. So I feel like you have a little bit of the same struggle. I don't know if in your family, when you guys came here in order to feel like you were moving forward and being successful coming to this country, y'all felt like you had to leave a lot of those old, mm -hmm. you know, those old traditions behind. And I felt like that's what happened in my family that we just wanted to be modern and to be forward thinking. That's right. Yeah. So I would say I have a yes to what you just said. And I have a very interesting kind of unique setup. So I'm 10 years younger than my oldest brother and then okay. I'm like nine years and then seven years. So in, in a lot of ways, we're, we're one generation technically, right? But in a lot of ways, I often feel like a separate generation from them, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, because I just grew up so much later than them. Mm -hmm. And my parents were, were very traditional, very old fashioned, and definitely brought Italy into New our house in New York. But then my siblings were like your mom. Mm -hmm. My siblings, I think, really felt that ethnic Italianness, just like kind of dripping off of them <laughs> and, and felt that they had to be American and really yeah. made their personalities, their lives, their life choices based on that. You know, they're like, they yeah. didn't raise their kids wow. to speak Italian. They mm -hmm. didn't marry Italians. They don't see themselves really even as like culturally Catholic. Um, I'm wearing, you know, like three gold necklaces right now. My yeah. sister would never do that, but these are all, these are all things that I'm, I I'm like you. Yes. But it's more with my siblings than my parents, okay. if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I I'm into all of this, uh, our, our, our past, our ancestry, our roots, the traditions, because I feel like somebody has to catch it before it disappears. And I just happen to right. be a person. Yeah. Right. To carry it on. I got you. Yeah. It's really, obviously that's why this show keeps going because I, I do, I know from the conversations I have with people and the DMS I get and the messages, mm -hmm. this is a big thing right now. I don't know if it's mm -hmm. something I'm not really into like astrology, but I don't know if it's like something in the planets or whatever, but <laughs> a lot of people are waking up, you know, and, and just wondering who they are and where they come from and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. how to get back all this wisdom and tradition that's been lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's beautiful think, what you're doing. Yeah. I just think the, a lot of us are just starting to realize that you can be American, but also be rooted in where your people came from. Well said. So, and it's just, you know, growing up, we, I grew up predominantly in Miami and it was, you were either Latino full on and you're a sellout if you try to be American or if you were, you know, totally American then you just kind of lost everything else. So it was having to pick sides. And now is when we're trying to figure out that, hey, you can you can be both. You can be American and, you know, respect where your family came from. Oh, I just got chills when you said that, like that explanation of you had to choose one, because I, I feel like without knowing it that that's what I was doing mm -hmm. in my teenage years and even my early twenties. I just, I felt like I, I had to pick what was I? Cause I couldn't be both. I couldn't be yeah. this, this hybrid that I am yeah. now, mm -hmm. you know, it, mm -hmm. it, it had to be one of 
one or the other in some strange ways. And I never could let go of either one. And I still feel that way when I talk about being proud to be Italian, I'm equally as proud to be American. Right. Right. I embrace both. Mm -hmm. I feel lucky Mm -hmm. to have both. So it is, it's a, it's a new time and it's pretty, it's really exciting to be able to have these conversations and, and like connect with people who are on the same page and get it. It's yeah. I love it. I mean, you know, social media is like a war zone, but it's nice for things like this. Yeah. (laughs) I I probably wouldn't have met you if it weren't for Instagram, you know, and we Mm -hmm. have, we have a lot, a lot on a very deep level in common. We're on a similar journey. So tell me, tell me a little bit about the business and how, now that I know it's actually a way for you to reclaim some of your heritage, I'm, I'm even more intrigued. So tell me a little bit about the business and how it started and how you feel you're using it in, in that sense, in that more, you know, spiritual, deeper sense. Well, actually it just, it started out as a solution to a problem um, we are an active duty family. Like my husband's still in the army. So we move around a lot. So traditionally we would move like every about four years Okay. and military moves are hard. They're hard on all your things. So when I was growing up, it was, you got whatever looked the best, but was the cheapest. And it was kind of the, you know, fake it till you make it type of thing. So a lot of what we had was just cheap home decor that looked nice but didn't really last Mm. so when I first got married you're talking about like a lot of and I don't know if I can throw this word out there can I say it's Ikea is that okay yes you can say that (laughs) (laughs) it's really funny I thought you were gonna curse (laughs) no no because I say I say brand names or people like oh my gosh you threw them out there and I'm like look but it's the truth so it was like a lot of you know I doubt Ikea is gonna sponsor me anytime soon so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't want to throw you out there, no, but it was, thank you know, for it was a lot of, yeah, it was, it was a lot of, you know, cheap Ikea stuff, but that is as like a young married couple, that's what you're encouraged to buy. Like you're encouraged to have it all together. The second you get married and you're supposed to look like your house is hundred percent decorated. Mm-hmm. And I did that. I mean, I remember blowing his first paycheck on Ikea and it was like thousands of dollars on stuff that when we moved, it, it all came in pieces. So finally, it was after years of doing this over and over again. And with kids, I was like, look, there's got to be a better way. But I feel like that's all we're pushed, especially as mothers. And hey, your kids are going to trash it anyways. So how about you just invest in this garbage because you're going to throw it out. So don't throw money on like things that are well made on things that are expensive because your kids are just going to junk it up. Right. So I came to a point where I was like, look, we don't have a lot of money. I was teaching at that point. Um, my husband was making what he was making. And it was whenever I spent money on home decor, it, it hurt. So I found, I found a couple of really nice ladies that were selling vintage rugs, but the teaching part of me wanted to know why I was spending so much money on this rug. Like, I want to know the history, like, where does it come from? Who's making it? How is it made? But nobody could tell me. And that aggravated me. Like, I want to know the story behind what I'm buying. So finally I was just like, I can do this. 
I can do this, I can source this product. And if it turns out to be what I think it's going to be and how it's going to work in our home with a bunch of kids, then I can do this full time. And that is just how it started. It was, uh, I need this rug to last longer than when I'm buying at Ikea. And then it's just, that was two years ago. And this is where we're at now. Only two years. Yeah. You've grown very quickly. It seems. It has. It has. And I think a lot of people, if they don't know my background, they think that I'm Indian or I'm Persian or Pakistani, and they think it's part of my family, but really it's, I'm learning along with my customer base. Like I, I bought 20 books and all I'm doing is reading and just talking to vendors and talking to weavers and trying to figure out how everything is made. But it's such a long convoluted history of rugs. I mean, I'm learning about rugs that we found that were made before Jesus was born. I mean, you're talking about an art form that has existed for as long as people have had culture. That's intense. And, and why, it is. So yeah. it's why, but like the rug, is, is this something about the rugs that caught you? I mean, you could have, you could have become a furniture dealer, you know, an antique furniture dealer. Was there something about rugs in particular that grabbed you? I think it was, it was initially the, you know, to fulfill the need and then I got it. And then it was, it was more of just being angry that nobody could tell me where these things were coming from. And then the further I dug and the more people I met and the more that I actually learned the people that were putting their hands on this, that I finally figured out that this is, this spoke to me, this spoke to me on a way that nothing else that nothing else does. There's a lot of things that I could have dove into, but my passion is connecting our client base with the women who put their hands on these rugs. Because I think that's a lot of where the disconnect is. The disconnect is, well, I can just go to Target and buy this rug. Yeah, you can. But when you buy handmade rug, you're, you're buying something that a woman poured her soul into for, for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you can buy an eight by 10 and that's something that three women worked on days for, for years. And that was her whole life. That's amazing. It's, I, I didn't, I mean, I, I always understood textiles. I mean, in a sense, you know, that there's weaves and weaving and that there's a long tradition of this, especially with women in various cultures, but, but I'm not sure I've put much thought before I'd come across your work into rugs yeah and the depth of it and one thing you talk about often as you just mentioned is the fact that you're going to throw these rugs that you buy at target and ikea away because they're not going to last and this is actually the final episode of season two and the theme is home which Mm -hmm. is why i wanted to have you on before this season ends and every conversation i've had at some point the idea of filling our homes with things that last comes up. And I wonder why it's your dog. (laughs) Her dog (laughs) has joined the uh, conversation. And I wonder why you think that's important. And why did that suddenly become something to base your life around? As I was pouring our home and our family into the farm, and I was trying to cut the middleman, as you say, from where things are coming from and what I'm bringing into my home. 
I think home decor becomes one of those things that people don't talk about because we talk about, you know, grass the table in terms of beef. We talk about the same thing in terms of growing your own vegetables, but we never say that in terms of where our home decor comes from. Because mm. I think it's a little bit more accessible to say, okay, well, I'm going to start growing all my own vegetables, or I'm going to go to the farmer down the road and get my beef. That makes sense to people. But what people don't understand is if you, if that's important to you, if if it's important to you to know where your food is coming from, then it should also be important to you to know where the things that you actually live on come from. Especially when you're talking about kids. I mean, rugs, plastic rugs, especially you're talking about rugs that are made from polypropylene. And I tell people all the time, that is a byproduct of the oil industry. Those are things that they eventually take that and they make it into Tupperware. So if you think about the fumes that are coming off of the rug that your kids are rolling around on, that you're sitting on, that you're sleeping on, you're laying on. I mean, I think you're cutting yourself short is if you focus mostly on where my food is coming from and don't think about the huge component of, well, what am I surrounding myself in my home with? Right. It's a, it's another layer of this journey, right? Of course, yes. like you said, cutting out the middleman, which is another way of being saying, being self-sufficient, knowing how to take right. care of yourself, how to take care of your family, how to do things with your own two hands, because, because all of those things, we are also taught in this culture that all of those things are a waste of time, mm-hmm. right? Doing things with your own hands, learning to take care of your family, you know, what's, why do you need those skills? Right. You can just go out and buy them. Right. So this is another layer. And I, I love this because I do think when you start diving in to looking at life this way, there are just layers, right. You start. Yeah. Like I joke now when I'm up here upstate, I drive like 40 minutes to get raw milk. And I joke that you might, the next step is a cow. And I'm joking, yeah. but I, but I'm not because that's what, yeah. that's what starts to happen. Right. You know, it started with organic milk and then you realize organic milk is largely ultra pasteurized, which is terrible for you. So then you start, you just start going down these layers yeah. you go, because that's how messed up things are, <laughs> Yeah, right. That you have to keep digging and it really is almost yeah. like a lifelong pursuit. And I love this idea of, of home decor as another layer of this. Um, it's like the first time I heard, I think, I think this is the phrase, um, like farm, farm to fashion or farm to dress. Yeah. Right. Do I have that mm. right? Yeah. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. And and that's a whole other world where we're buying our clothes. Right. From, right. Right. And yeah. So it, it kind of is like peeling the layers away from an onion. I mean, if you want to talk about being, you know, have being sustainable, this, this is one of those, those facets. And I know people don't want to talk about it because, you know, Instagram, as much as, as we love it and as, as much good as comes from it, a lot of it too is pushing the idea that we need to have it together all the time, or Mm -hmm. that you need to, you know, everything needs to be Instagram or Pinterest worthy, whatever you post on the feed. And I think that pushes a lot of people to say, well, you know, I don't have the money, so I'm just going to go and buy this thing that makes it look like I have it together. But all you're doing is buying things that are cheap that are going to get thrown away in, you know, a couple months in a year, just because you want to fulfill this image to people that don't matter online. Mm, well, said. so, and that's what I've been trying to tell my clients that, Hey, like if you, 
nobody's saying that you need to go out and buy a 5,000 rug tomorrow, but it's the idea of it is okay to be a work in progress and that we're never going to get there, whatever there is. Like perfection is not the goal. It's to live comfortably where we are and to be okay with where we are. Mm, I love that. I, I say to my husband all the time, I say people used to work their whole lives to get mm-hmm. a house like that looks like ours. And they mm-hmm. would save and they would save. And, and it's true that it, the, but that was, um, but that was expected. The culture yeah. understood that they didn't expect a right. newly married 22 year old couple to have expensive cars and a big house and a remodeled mm-hmm. kitchen. That was something mm-hmm. that you knew you would work together for and work towards. Yeah. I wonder what you think of this, I feel as though it's almost all by design. You yeah. change the ethos of society, yeah, right? So that you feel like you're failing if you're newly married and you don't have mm-hmm. a beautiful setup, complete soup to nuts house. And in turn, that makes sure you go out and buy things that then breaks yeah. and you have to buy more things. Yeah, I think that's a lot of what our platform has become because we we attract a lot of young mothers, especially through like the Homemaker Chic podcast. And a, a lot of it is just teaching these young mothers that it is okay to be a, in a place of we're working towards it. And I keep telling them that, especially with the ruggable trend and, and these rugs that are being pushed now where you can kind of just peel off the top layer and throw one half in the washing machine. And, and the narrative is, Hey, young mom, like you can pretend to have it together with this rug. That's going to look pristine because you have kids and your life is a mess anyways. Mm. And, and I keep telling them what they're doing is, is fantastic because you have advertisers that are trying to keep you in the buying cycle by selling you this rug that's invariably a rug pad it's a printed rug pad and it's something that we traditionally would have put under like a really well-made rug but they're keeping you in the buying cycle by telling you hey buy this cheap rug when the top half that peels off shrinks in the dryer you can come back and just buy another one Mm. I tell them just patience patience because this thing that you think is going to fulfill you and it's going to make you look good online is going to be in the trash in a couple months and you're going to be disappointed. So I would, I suggest to a lot of them to just go ahead and just save and, and it's okay to save and it's okay to live in a room without anything on the floors, or it's okay to live with your junkie couch for a year or two years because you're saving up for the good one. But it's trying to tell them not to fall into the same trap that I did, where I felt like I had to have it all done within months of being married, because I had to show to my neighbors or to my family or to my friends online that, Hey, like I'm living the dream and I have it all together, even though you guys don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really well said. I, I think this idea, you mentioned patience and it's, it's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's no longer a virtue in our society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. And I, I think mm-hmm. one aspect of living this way and trying to incorporate this style of living into your life gives you is this respect again for patience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for time and, and the right time and the right 
things that really speak to you, this idea of better, not more. Right. And just waiting. And there's something Mm -hmm. really, really nice about that pace. Mm -hmm. I had a writer, she's, um, she lives in England, Rosbyam Shaw. She writes a lot about, yes. you, you know, her work. Yes. Okay. So I had, well, yeah. or you probably listened to the episode, right? <laughs> so I, I had her on the show and, and in that episode, we talked so much about this, about antiques as basically a way to reverse this trend of throwaway culture. Yeah. And I was telling her that the times that I do go, cause I mean, I I'm not perfect and I, I do what a lot of people do. So the times I go into like a home uh, sense or something store and I buy a piece, I always feel this kind of like, Oh, when I bring it home, like I should have, I should have waited. Cause there's something amazing when you buy something that has been around longer than you and you know, it's going to outlast you. And it has that charm and it really clicks genuinely with your personality. Right. Yeah. I just, I think the whole narrative that we're doing right now and that we're running into, especially with Instagram and Pinterest and like HDTV, where all the homes are made over within a week is, is really damaging to the young women that are growing up. And this is all they know, like all their source of inspiration comes from these homes where it's like a constant pressure to feel like everything has to be perfect all the time or else they're a failure. Right. Yeah. And that's true. How do you, how do you source your rugs? Um, I work with a couple of trusted vendors. I have about three or four and they go to market for me. So they'll go every couple of days and they actually, like, if you look at my stories, they pull them from everywhere. So they, they pull them from parking lots. They pull them from open air markets on top of cars. And it is, it is really, we're trying to close the gap between the women who actually wove them. And then what we call the dealer, which is my vendor. A lot of what we're running into is that the culture that these rugs are being woven in, the woman is is highly protected. So I cannot go myself and talk to the woman who wove the rug. Um, She is protected and she will have a man that always speaks on her behalf. So typically what we do is the vendor will go to these open air markets he will make contacts with whoever is selling the rug. And a lot of the times, if we're lucky, it will be, you know, the husband of the woman who wove it or, you know, the the son of the grandmother who wove it back then. But we are, we get them from Turkey, Pakistan. We used to be able to get them from Afghanistan. Now with the political turmoil there, it's getting a little bit harder. Yeah, I bet. Um, and then we get them a lot from the Caucasus region. Sometimes we'll get them from parts of Southern Russia. Um, so right they're all, now- They're it, all vintage, right? They're all vintage. Yes, they, they are all vintage. We have just started looking into, like I brought, we had one that was newly made. A lot of our younger clients want very modern palettes, palettes that rugs traditionally won't woven in. Like if you think about what a vintage rug is, traditionally people will think of like the heavy reds and the navies. Mm-hmm. But a lot of, again, genius, what Ruggable did is they copied the traditional designs and made them in modern colors. So they made them in the Vare washed down creams and beiges and pinks. So in order to keep us as part of the game, we have started to make 
vintage, like handmade rugs, but in these modern palettes that people want. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, and so, so they're made in more traditional ways without all the toxins and the plastic. Right. Yeah. So we keep the weaving process the same. The ladies still hand knot the rugs, but then they are being dyed in the more modern colors of, you know, the, the pinks, the navies, just whatever I see that my clients are asking for. That is what we're starting to make them because what was happening was Western market dictates how these rugs are coming out. So they noticed that ladies wanted a more neutral palette. So they were stripping the old rugs. They were actually taking hair dye or what do you call it? Bleach for a while and using the hair bleach to, to completely strip all these vintage rugs. Oh. So I'm trying to step away from that because you, I mean, you invariably cause a lot of damage to those vintage rugs. So we're trying to step away from that and just have employ some weavers to make um, the rugs and the colors that people want. That sounds like a great expansion, like a perfect new direction to go in as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it fulfills the niche of, we want to make sure that we are staying on top of trends because we want to keep these weavers still employed and they were we got hit pretty hard with the washable the washable trend which actually just became a thing right when I started so I know a lot of weavers were losing employment just because they they weren't making them in the colors that people wanted to buy I don't even think I know what the washable trend is what is that I mean I could deduce but yeah so the the washable trend is is what they did when they took just the normal pad that goes underneath the rug and then they took a printed part it's like a printed plastic part that you can you can just strip off and put in the wash and then just kind of velcro it back on mm, okay that's kind of what you were talking about before then that's the idea yeah i haven't seen those i i will confess that i'm pretty sure i have an array of plastic rugs in my house. <laughs> and when I, you, so you're, you're a sponsor of uh homemaker chic podcast. Yes. Which my listeners know very well, <laughs> both Angela, the hosts, Angela and Shay have been on the show and mm -hmm. we're friends and they're wonderful people. And when I first heard them talking about your rugs, I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't, this it's like, a, you know, like another thing, another thing I have. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we renovated this house and initially it was supposed to be a rental house, like an Airbnb, which okay. still may be. And so in that respect, we did do more of the buy stuff because we needed to fill it. Right. And then mm -hmm. after that, we kind of slowed down and we've had a really lovely time going to antique stores, thrift stores, and mm -hmm. adding those really nice touches with stuff that will stay with us for the rest of our lives. But the rugs for sure are, are like from Wayfair or something. Can you tell me a little bit more about their toxicity? <laughs> it's like not funny at all, but I'm like, oh, Lordy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this, and honestly, this is how I felt when I was listening about the episode, the episode that you had with Sarah that I'm like, oh mm. man, the pants. Now I have to think about the pants. Right. You know? Sarah Dom in the copper pans and the, and the yeah. cast iron. Pan. Yeah. There's so much. It's, it's an onion. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You just keep peeling it off. Yeah. Because yeah. when it's, when it's one thing, you're like, okay, well now I have to think about this other thing. 
everything, every faucet of your home you have to be thinking about. And this is one of the, I, I'm not surprised that people don't think about because it's kind of just something that you throw on the ground and you walk on and you don't ever think like, what's, where was my rug made? How is it made? I tell people to think about the rug like the couch because I feel like people put a lot of thought into the couch, you know, where it's where it comes from, how it's made. How, and then they actually plan a budget for the couch because I, I mean couches are obscene I don't know if you've been couch shopping for a oh, while yeah. but we just bought one recently for the house and then on yes. top of it, we had to wait for for six months for it to arrive yes like they're they're absurd in price like it, it hurt my heart when I had to invest in mine but and I that is the same level of investment you want to put into your rug okay because your your rug is is a huge portion of your room and what you don't realize if, if it's made from something like polypropylene, it's, it's off-gassing and studies will tell you that it can off-gas from six months to a year into your home. So you want to think about natural materials. Anything that comes from the earth is good. So all of our rugs are made from cotton and wool and traditionally that is only what they're made with. So it kind of, it scares me to see the things that are, that rugs are being made with now, but the, the glue that they're using, the polypropylene that they're using. I know one rug company now that they also do the washable rugs. They are very proud of themselves from making their rugs out of um, old tires. Oh. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if you're comfortable with putting tires in your living room, but that right. is one thing that I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want something made from old tires in my house. Sure. Yeah. I don't either. I think again, the more and more you learn, it's safe to say that pretty much everything in our society is toxic. Yeah. And, and that is an amazing thing to wrap your mind around, but, but everything, the clothes, the rugs, the food, the pans, the furniture, everything just is. And, and of course, a big part of this show is ancestral traditions and old world style. And, and that is what you just, what you just said, you know, the wool, cotton, things that, things that have been around for centuries are still your best bet. Right. Right. You posted something, I think it was today. I was on real quick on Instagram and I just saw you wrote something like when in doubt, go backwards. Yeah. And I meant to comment and I think I got distracted that I love that when in doubt, go backwards. Yes. <laughs> it's true. When in doubt, go backwards. Yes. Cause I get a lot of questions of, well, how do I take care of this? Or, you know, what do I do with my rug when it's snowing? And I'm like, look guys, you're talking about the oldest rug that we have found 500 years before the Lord walked the earth, you're talking about thousands of years that traditionally people have lived with rugs. They have found a way to wash the rugs, I promise you. But it, it's a lot of overthinking. It's a lot of, I, and I don't want to say ego, but sometimes I think it is. It's a lot of, oh, well, here's the new thing and this is it. Mm-hmm. And the people before us had no idea what they were doing. And I'm always look at your ancestors, look at what they were doing before us because they knew what they were doing and they had done it that way for as long as they did for a reason. Mm. My, one of my favorite quotes, I'm going to attempt to get it right, is by an Irish writer, J.J. 
J.G. Farrell, and it's something along the lines of, we look on past generations with derision mm-hmm. as if they are just a shadow of us. Mm-hmm. But, what if, but what if we are, what if we are merely the afterglow of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. There's this thing in America, especially that if it's new, it's the best thing. And your grandparents were too ethnic, too old school, yes, too old right? Fashion. Too old mm-hmm. fashioned. They weren't literate, so they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. really, they knew so much more than we're, we'll ever know. So you mentioned Sarah Daman, who is the, the coppersmith has been on the show and learning about pots and, and the pans that we use now, like that's a perfect example of this idea that new is always better. So everybody had been using cast iron and copper for centuries. And then all of a sudden Teflon comes out. It's this yeah. chemical invention and everyone's flipping their eggs and look at this, nothing sticks to it. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out it's terribly bad for you. Yeah. And for the environment. And you just have to kind of get into this mindset that this kind of new and improved product mindset is Mm -hmm. you just have to like eliminate it from your world in a way. Right. Right. And it, it always makes me think of like those ads from the sixties of like all the new gadgets that were coming out and they're advertising towards, you know, the homemaker, the modern homemaker has like the new toaster, the new stove. And it's, it feels very gimmicky to me. And it feels very pushing the idea of you're, you're not trendy if you don't have this new gadget that came out. Right. And it's, it's, it's really just trying to get especially young homemakers to kind of pause. Like you don't need everything that comes out. It's okay to just kind of take a breath and go, do I really need that? Is that really going to add value to my home or should I just wait? Well, also there's not a lot of money in things that endure. Right. So if you, if, if it's the trend to cook with cast iron and you have four cast iron pans from your grandmother, you're not buying anything. You're not right. buying stuff from them because you can use those pans forever if you right. take care of them. And then you can pass them down to your children who will also not need to buy Teflon nonstick pans because they yeah. have these inherited pans that will last. So mm-hmm. I one thing that's helped me over the years make this adjustment because it is more money, you know, you're you're investing in things is kind of getting that that like New York Italian in me, who's doesn't like to be, you know, pushed around, lied to, sold to, <laughs> played, right? Yeah. And, and get that mindset where I'm doing this as an act of rebellion. Right. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to invest in pans and pots that last. And now evidently rugs that last because I am pushing back against the forces that are trying to control me and my family. Mm -hmm. And that really, that motivates me personally. I don't know if that works for everyone, but it Mm -hmm. works for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I find it, 
actually find it very ironic and, and humorous that, you know, we're, we're the rebellious ones. We're the rebellious ones of actually, you know, kind of pushing back against what's modern and just trying to go back to what the original homemakers in our family would have been doing anyways. You know, it, yeah. it was expected that you invest once, but you invested right. And then you then pass that on to, you know, your kids or your grandkids. But then I for some reason, it just became the trend of we needed the latest and the greatest. That's so true. And what I really love about this season, as I'm wrapping up here, the last episode is I feel as though this idea of an environmental movement is kind of hijacked by, I don't know, perhaps like an intellectual uh, university celebrities, right? This kind of very yeah. highfalutin you know, you, you have your Tesla, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this season is I've purposely sought out people who are, it's just regular people like down to earth mm -hmm. moms who are raising families because my whole platform is, you know, spiritual conversations for the rest of us. It's just, you don't need to use all this mumbo jumbo. You don't need to make it like this big woo woo thing, right? This is yeah. just, this is just the way people lived. This is just getting yeah. back to basics. You don't need an, a PhD. You don't need to wear designer clothes. I mean, you can, if you want, but I'm just saying like, it's just a nor I like the idea of like normalizing this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. And it, it really is just trying to teach people to slow down. And part of slowing down for us was to kind of take a step back and take stock into what we're bringing into our home right. and not just, I think we live in a society of um, impulse buying or buying when we're feeling emotional or buying when we want to have fun. Like everything is connected with buying and it really is just taking a step back and just saying, I, I'm happy with where I am now do I really need this or am I buying because it feels some type of emotional need for me right now? Mm, yeah, that's, that's a great point. As we wrap up here, I do want to talk a little bit about your farm. You mentioned in the beginning that you and your husband decided to start farming as a way to get back to your roots and connect with your culture. I, I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we're trying to make it work because my husband still is active duty. So there, there is a lot of sacrifices to what we're doing, but it, it was, he lives a very stressful job. He deploys a lot and he, he goes and I was teaching and it, teaching is just so much work. And it, it was just taking a step back and saying, how, how can we slow down? How can we be with the, the kids more? And we finally just decided that we were going to stop just stop. So we bought, I went on Zillow really quickly one day and I found this farm in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, and he drives an hour and a half to work every day. And, but it is 40 acres. It is a house that was built in 1910 with floors that still creak and windows mm -hmm. that see, like suck out all the hot air out of this house. I mean, it is <laughs> a fixer upper, but it, it was just trying to get my hands back into the dirt, trying to see what, what I am capable of. So when I say that two years ago, we were living in the city and I was working full time and he was going all the time and 
my kids would sit at daycare for nine hours out of the day. That is the life we were living. And I was burnt out. So oh, here is did a where... real transformation. In yes. That is yes. inspiring. It's inspiring for, I know it's going to be inspiring for a lot of my listeners. That is a real transformation. It's inspiring to yeah. me because I'm in a, I'm in a period of transition and, and I just have this feeling of like, there is no turning back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's, it's scary because there's, you know, it's, especially when speaking to my family and my family is like, well, what are you doing? Like, you're going backwards. Like, I remember my dad saying like, Hey, when I left Cuba, my, we left the farm. Like my, my grandfather was a farmer and we left that to come here. And now you're going back. They, it's just not understanding. And I'm just, it, it's, we are living at such a fast pace, the burnout. I see it with people all the time. And oh, yeah. I was just, I wanted to be able to put my hands to something. And for me, that was, you know, planting vegetables. We, we have a bunch of sheep, we have goats, we have donkeys. My, my husband got back into horseback riding. So it was just a way for us to disconnect from the world. It really is. It really is doable. You really can find a way to, to jump off the moving train. It does, it does have risk and it's a lot of work, but so is, so is the rat race, you know, it's, yeah. that yeah. that has no, there's like no easy answer but what do you feel more aligned with and actually season 3 my theme is uh go- going to be slow down oh okay because i like basically i i mean i do this show because i want to have these conversations right, right. i and i hope that people want to hear them because they're exploring the same things and i want to i want to dive more into slowing down and i want to dive in some more to what that means and what that looks like in practice, because it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to do. Um, and, yeah. and we're definitely not encouraged to do it. So mm-hmm. I also have to ask, do you guys move every four years? So how does the farm work that way? Well, we've, my husband has been able to finagle a couple of things at his job where he is taking more deployments. So he is going overseas more so I can anchor down here. So this is, this is the forever home. I see. Okay. This is the, you know, the home where I'm hoping I can pass on to my grandchildren. This is one of the last homes in the the area that I'm at. It still has like a huge track of land still attached to it because actually a lot of the farmers here are are picking up and selling everything and they're Mm. kind of parceling out the land. Mm. Um, so it, it is a lot of sacrifice and, you know, a lot of, I hear a lot of, well, I can't, I can't live the way you do because, you know, I have to sacrifice something, but we have, but it was because we felt like this was a direction our family needed to go to. So I encourage people that if they want to do the farm thing, or they want to slow down or just to take the leap, it's going to be hard. But I think Angela says all the time, choose your heart, like your which heart. heart are you going to do? Right. Right. And you, and you do this by yourself with four boys and another on the way. I do. And, and it is a lot, you know, it's, it's a juggle, but I love what I do. And my business is my passion. And that is what energizes me. Yeah, it really does. As, as I'm building my own business, I left a very high profile job in the city, the whole thing. Right. I used to travel around the state, go to galas, give speeches, mm-hmm. 
sit next to diplomats and I've just jumped into building my own business. And it, I realize that I work a lot and what I'm realizing lately, it's hard for me to turn it off, but it energizes me. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. Like you, it's, it's, it's draining in a different way. (laughs) It's like a drain that energizes you. It's, it's bizarre, but I, you know, we were talking a little bit about the house that I'm in right now upstate and it's been kind of a long journey, not just only to renovate it, but are we going to live here? Are we not? Are we going to rent it out? And that's one of the reasons we haven't bought any, even just chickens, you know, to, to get started. Cause I always feel like, well, if there are question marks, what do you do with animals when you're moving? I I don't know. Mm -hmm. You just start all over again. It just seems like reckless Mm -hmm. and like something you really, you Mm -hmm. need to be settled in before you do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I right. <laughs> yes, I, I would definitely agree with you, but I would tell you that like the impulsive side of me would say, look, just do it. Cause, I, cause oh, we boy. moved here and I will tell you that like a month later, I got my first order of like 40 chicks in the mail. And I just, it, there is no looking back. Like my husband does tell me, he's like, you need to be prepared that if the army tells us we have to go, we have to go. And I'm like, no. Mm. So, and I'm still like buying chickens and geese and <laughs> To me, it's just, you know, if I have to cross that bridge, I will. Okay. But until yeah, then, I live my, yeah. Like, no, I go just, ahead. I Sorry. live my life. Like, no, you're good. I just, I, I don't think about those things because there's, especially with military life, everything is always kind of floating up in the air anyways. So I kind of just live my life like I will stay here for 50 years and that that's what it is. Yeah, that, you know, because it's true, all the question marks, you end up just on pause. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to just jump in and then deal with it. Like you said, like cross that bridge when you come to it. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to send you a box of pics. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best thing anybody said to me on this show. I'm telling you, you're thinking about it too much. Just go for it. Chickens are the easiest thing. Annabelle, you have no idea. I I was just about to say that if this year, you know, 2020 was marked by anything, it was marked by so much overthinking, so much Mm -hmm. indecision, so much back and forth. I, my husband and I are just drained from it because we can't, we have to make these really big decisions and we didn't have we didn't have like the, the things in place to make the decisions with them. And it's just that kind of living is so tiring. You just, it wears on you. Right. You know, right. I, I understand. I like that little vote of confidence that just jump in. I kind of like that. Just, just do it. Just do you, you sound like me, the majority of like my husband's career. Like, I'm just like, well, how do I move? forward if I know that in two or three years we have to go somewhere else yes. like how do I start yeah. a new job how do I make friends how, you know just, just all of it. that all of that so we everything you just said so we have this conversation you know we're up mm-hmm. here on the mountain it's about an hour and 45 minutes from my mother my family which is not crazy it's better than being in another state or another country and but we're we're up on a mountain it's 
relatively isolated and I don't really, we know some neighbors, we've made a few friends, but right. I don't know a lot of people. So after like a couple of weeks up here, I start to feel lonely. I just want to see people. I want to talk to people. And my husband keeps saying to me that you have to make friends. Like you have to make a community. And my response is always, well, I don't know if we're staying here. I mean, one day we're leaving one day we're staying one day we're selling one day we're moving. So in my head, I don't want to go through the work of making friends. If I'm just going to move, is that terrible? Right. <laughs> is that terrible? No, but it's also, no, that's also you safeguarding yourself because it's hard. You make friends, you connect with people and you're like, all of a sudden you have to go and you have to say goodbye to those friendships. But if anything, the military has taught me that you just kind of live, you live your life as if this is it. And mm. I don't think about, well, what's going to come in the future. I just enjoy where I'm at. And oh, that is I would... so good, Annabelle. That is such a good way to live. I mean, it has its downfalls. I do a lot of crazy stuff too. My husband can tell you, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely have a side of my personality that is very dominant that wants to know. I'm very like, I want to know, I want to know where am I going to be? I want to know where am I going to live? And I think that that's natural, especially at my age, being a mom, et cetera, being a wife, but life really is not that way. Is that even if you think you have answers, stuff always comes up, things always change. You always have to think on your feet. It's not a big no, deal. I'm making a bigger deal out of it, which is which right. is not uncommon. <laughs> it's not, it's not the end of the world of like, you have to get rid of your chickens. It's okay. Right. And case in point, we've been doing this for like a year. So I could have had chickens for a year. Yeah. You could have been well into baskets of colorful eggs that it could have been you on Instagram with the basket of eggs. <laughs> I love you. this. I love this. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I always have people on right when I need them. It's, it's, it's very interesting. So um, I've, I love connecting with you and yes. I really look forward to seeing how your business grows and your Thank farm you. and where you take it as we wrap up. Um, is there anything that you like, what's next? Is it, is it mainly what you already spoke about with the, the new carpets being woven or anything that we should know about and look for? Um, well, we, so I do most of my business out of my home. We have moved into, uh, so we bought a building. I'm renovating a building in our little downtown. What's next for me really is trying to get that building to a place where I hope I can open up and have people come to me. Um, what after that? I don't know. Right. I just baby, you know, yeah. baby's kind you, of exhausted in a lot of, when are you doing um, in August? in August. August. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, um, my husband leaves come March, so he'll be gone for about six months. So it's like a lot of things that I'm juggling right now, but yeah, we're just, you know, when I tell you that I take things a day at a time, that is literally God bless you is all I can say like a farm, (laughs) a business and, and four boys with one on the way and your husband leaving for six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You must have a lot of energy. You know what? I I'm half asleep most of the day. <laughs> and, and I don't even know what's like happening no to me. I know. <laughs> well, I'll I'm tell telling you. you. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's just I, 
when we first spoke about, you know, being on the podcast, I really wanted to make sure I was prepared and the teacher side of me had to like read my books and make sure I could answer all the questions about the rugs. And then, you know, we had to reschedule because we're mothers. And yesterday I was like, I'm so tired. So whatever comes out of my mouth is kind of just what comes out. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm glad you did that because one thing, one thing guests always tell me is you didn't ask me any of the technical questions that I always get asked. And it was so refreshing to just talk about totally different things. So right. you probably would have read up on all this like production and, and I probably wouldn't have asked you anything about it anyway. <laughs> like I had a, I had a knife maker on my um, season two opened up with Kay Foy, who's a knife maker. And she said that to me at the end, she's like, everyone's always asking me about like how you make knives and, and you didn't even ask that. I'm like, well, it's not really what we talk about here, but people can follow you on Instagram <laughs> if they want to, you know, if they want to know about yeah. that process, I'm c- trying to talk about the deeper, bigger things that we right. all experience. So I'm glad right. you didn't put yourself through that. And you've been great. Your knowledge is clearly inside of you and, and just comes out naturally because you're passionate about it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank well, you. thank you. Thank you so much for, for being here and for your time. And I will link to your website, your Instagram and make sure do you, are you on Facebook? Um, but not really, you know, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's a lot of stuff to juggle. Yeah. So Instagram and website's good. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'll link to those. The things. less I have to struggle, the better. I understand. <laughs> Thank you so much, Annabelle, for joining me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Thank you so much once again for joining me. Thank you for being here through this season and even season one. Those of you who have been with me since the beginning, I absolutely love hearing from you. You guys DM me and email me the most wonderful messages that give me the energy to keep doing this show because I know how much it means not just to me, but to all of you. We are so in this together, exploring all of these ideas, all of these themes, and trying to get our lives back on a track that feels human and real. It's something that feels truthful. Season three is coming up. If you haven't subscribed to the show already, please click that follow button on your iTunes or Spotify so that when season three does launch with its first episode, it will automatically load into your queue and you'll know that I'm back. (laughs) Please share this show with your friends and on social. And again, find me on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. Here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power.